Locked On Flyers, your daily podcast on the Philadelphia Flyers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And welcome to the Lockdown Flyers podcast for Monday, January 3rd, your daily dose of Flyers news, analysis, and high-quality content that was really excited for the new year, Russ, but I don't know. It's already starting to test me. Yeah, 2022. I'm not sure. Oh, God. Thanks for making Lockdown Flyers your first listen every day. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Lockdown Flyers. Keep up to date on all the Flyers news, our episodes, all that good stuff. You can also email the show at LockdownFlyers at gmail.com. I am Rachel Donner. You can find me on Twitter at rmiriam. I am here with Russ Cohen, who's on Twitter at Sportsology. On today's show, we are going to talk about those two weekend games, the Flyers played against the Sharks and the Kings out West. We're going to get into the Winter Classic. We'll have our nemesis of the week. Lots to talk about today. Locked on Flyers is free and available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey, wherever you are listening right now. So subscribe and you will get all of our episodes here on the Locked on Sports Network. All right, Russ. So not the most ideal of results over these last couple of games. Um, I think that you know, there's some good, there's some bad, there's some ugly mm-hmm. across the board. Uh, I, I do want to start off with talking about the lineup changes and Sandstrom's performance in net against the Sharks because I thought that it was interesting, first off, on the forward line side of things to have that JVR Giroux Atkinson line. Mm-hmm. together as opposed to putting Farabee on that line which they did for the Kings game which was better I thought and I just don't think it's ideal having the three older guys on the same line if that makes have sense. have to agree with you no it's it's true uh you're playing some West Coast teams that have some uh giddy app to them and and you're right that's an issue I don't know. I just didn't think that it was the most ideal configuration that they could have put together. The one line that stayed consistent that I really appreciate is that Limblom frost Konechny line. We talked about it last week, and I think they're continuing to perform. You know, I think Oscar Limblom has had a really nice run, and I I just think that if you're going to keep one line together, it's that one. Yeah, I think he's hit another gear now. Would I rather see Lindblom on the second line instead of Max Wellman? Yeah, I would. I mean, again, this is Mike Yo falling in love with Max Wellman. I like Max Wellman. He's good. He, you know, he does a counterattack. He'll forecheck. I, I get all that. But honestly, if you have Oscar Lindblom playing well, second line is where he should be. He should. And I think that you know, Wilman is more of a placeholder moving up in the lineup because he can do it, but it's not ideal. I'm pretty sure they'll move him back down to the fourth line and put Cates back on the taxi squad when uh, Scott Lawton is back in the lineup. Yeah, I would say so. All right. So the next thing I, I want to talk about, like I said, is Felix Sandstrom's NHL debut. I mean... I don't even know how to describe this about how angry I was because he put on such an incredible performance for his debut. 43 saves on 46 shots against the Sharks. And I, I just felt like the Flyers kind of hung him out to dry. Yeah. Which was completely unfair. No, he, he performed great. Um, 
there were way too many shots. Like, there just were. Mm-hmm. And it's just, there's something that's happened in both of these games that, that Mike Yo has to fix. And that is when the other team's coming up the ice in transition and maybe you just have one one guy carrying the puck, they're immediately backpedaling to the point where they almost never get in position. And they're just so loose on their positioning, it's easy to fire off shots against this team. Now, once in a while they'll block a shot, once in a while they'll get a stick in the way, but it really is easy to fire off shots against this team. It is, and you're right about them being out of position. I noticed that especially in the game against the Kings. Oh, yeah. Because there were so many backdoor opportunities that the Kings got because nobody was there covering them, and it was I was screaming at my TV about it. <laughs> yeah, I, I saw too much of it. Uh, I, you know, I, again, we'll, we'll go back to the Sharks one for a minute. It It was a point, so if anybody could see me, I'll hold up that faint... Uh, one finger up that like, okay, you got a point, but it wasn't a well-played crisp game. They, the one thing the Flyers can still do is occasionally get a turnover and bring it the other way, or occasionally get, you know, like this power boost in a game where they play well for 10 minutes and, you know, can tie it up. That's great. But, you know, when can this Flyers team ever like dominate a game from start to finish? No, not unless they play a bad team. Or can this Flyers team ever carry the play for a whole game? No. You know, in that Sharks game, the thing that was most glaring was that extended five-on-three power play Mm -hmm. that they had that just looked like a mess. They did not have any structure to it. It, They needed to come through there, and they, they didn't. And they didn't even, I think, have any quality setup time. And again, I want to tell you how low the bar is now, whether it's on Twitter or otherwise. Uh, if he makes a play or two in the game, he's basically absolved of any other lousy play the rest of the game. Like, that's where we're at right now. And I just think that's horrible. Yeah, you did have that one good play in that game. Right. Right. <laughs> right. I get what you're saying. Yeah, he he was not great in that Kings game either. Uh, he was just behind the play for most of it there was a couple of times on the power play where it was like his fault that the puck went out of the zone Mm -hmm. and they had to reset which they're not good at so every time they get set you like are anxious that something is going to go wrong i want to say this it's it's more than being anxious it's almost having like electroshock therapy watching it when the puck goes out of the zone knowing that they can't reset it really is painful it is you know talking a little bit more about that king's game Obviously, there's a certain level of frustration across the board, but it really bothered me that Travis Konechny took that 10-minute penalty. Oh, yeah. I think that, you know, no matter what's going on, no matter if the call is that bad, you can't take yourself out of the game for that long on something stupid like saying something dumb to a ref. Yeah, he totally lost it. You know, especially when he's struggling to get one in the net. He's been getting a lot of assists, but not potting one and so i'm sure he's struggling but that's not how you fix it and i'll tell you you know what's demoralizing when and again these are all great players when anze kopitar philip deneau and and drew dowdy control the puck on your power play to the point where they're putting it behind the net passing it to each other basically keeping it away and you have more players on the ice I mean, between last year's 
playoffs and this year with the Kings, I, I love Philip Deneau. I wish oh, yeah. he was on the Flyers. He just really fits in well, whatever he's asked to do. And it was very evident in that. Now, game. I will say, I will say the, you know, I'm not going to blame the penalty shot on Atkinson because he made a great shot. What Jonathan Quick did there was I wasn't so taken the fact that he wasn't looking at the puck. The reason he doesn't have to look at the puck is because he knows exactly where his leg should be against the post. And that's basically the standard for his goaltending. Even when he's not exactly right, he's always positionally right. So he knows that he has that kind of leg extension and he's got that covered. So he doesn't have to look at that. That's just instinctual with him. And, and that's part of his discipline. And that's just a tremendous save. It was. Yeah, I thought, you know, like you said, the Atkinson put a really good move on, but Quick is just that good. Yeah. I do want to talk about the interesting call made uh, later in the game with the power play goal that Kevin Hayes scored, where mm-hmm. they had a five on three and they made the decision to pull the goalie and make it a six on three. Yeah. And it worked. It did. I was super impressed by that and thought it was something creative that, you know, we haven't seen anything like that in a while from this team. That was something that went right in that game. And so good for them. Good for having the guts to do it. Good for the players for pulling it off like that. That was a good thing. We just didn't see enough of enough good. But that was good. So obviously we only have one more game left in this uh, seemingly never-ending road trip even though it's only four games it just seems longer because it's out west but we are we are in the new year russ and you know talking about new year's resolutions and and all the things around that and i know a lot of people make theirs around getting fit or eating healthier and built bar is the perfect thing to include in your plan built bars are protein bars but they taste just like candy bars they make it easier to stick to your resolution because it tastes so good you'll want to eat them unlike other protein bars which sometimes can be chalky or taste a little chemically you want to eat healthy but the others get so boring built bars are covered in a hundred percent real chocolate so you can throw out all of your sugary treats and replace them with built bars when you're craving a snack you can reach for something that's healthy and tastes incredible plus your typical built bar has only 130 calories with four grams of sugar four net carbs and 17 grams of protein. There's so many flavors to choose from as well. You can get a coconut almond, a peanut butter brownie, cookies and cream, salted caramel. In fact, Built Bar is always coming out with new limited flavors. So check out Built.com to see what's new. While you're there, use the promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. Thanks for making Lockdown Flyers your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. Okay, so we spent the first segment on these couple of games basically like tearing into the team. I mean, we had a couple of good things to say, especially Mm -hmm. about Felix Sandstrom. But I want to try and concentrate on some of that good and figure out where we can build on that or figure out what we need to do to turn these like bursts of good play like you were talking about into a full game I think that first off the good news is that Scott Lawton and Carter Hart are off the COVID list so they will be available for the game against the Ducks tomorrow Um, Broussard is off the list as well but I don't think he's ready to return injury wise 
No, I mean, it is good. I th I'm pretty sure Hart's going to start against Anaheim. They need Lawton in, in a bad way because of his all-around play and those occasional speed bursts that he'll have where that really does help the team. This is going to help the team. I don't know if it cures the team, but it will help settle some of the lines, which I feel, I don't think they have one line other than, like you were saying, with um, with the Lindblom line that, that is actually clicking. I think so, too. So hopefully we can get Lawton in there, like I was talking about in the previous segment, and that'll make the lines more what they should be versus what, you know, they've sort of been stuck with for the past few games. Um, the next thing I want to talk about is Joel Farabee because he's got six goals in his last eight games. He's been playing very consistently and consistently well, and I think he's been the best player on – any of the lines that they put him on. But I do prefer him with Giroux and Atkinson just for some balance. I agree with the balance. I also agree with my uh, preseason pick of him leading them in goals, the Flyers in goals. He's, <laughs> only, he's only two behind. I feel like I have to throw that out there. No, but... No, he, do that. Do that. He has picked it up. And he has been one of those Flyers who are very menable. No matter where you put him, he seems to be coming through. Uh, again... Should always be on the top power play. Should never be on the second power play. I think that's pretty obvious at this point. He gets he, he scores from either side. He does add that little bit of energy. But he also has a, a hockey IQ where he can make really good plays out of nothing around the net. And, you know, Giroux's able to do that. Frost will be able to do that someday. But they don't have a lot of guys that can do that with that kind of, you know, creative mind. And, you know, Couturier is one of them, and obviously they miss him desperately. So that's something where you have to play Faraby as much as you possibly can because it will only help the team. It will. He'll, and he'll go through some cold spells too, but he does so many other good things on the ice. Yeah, once in a blue moon you'll see he'll have a brain freeze. He's, you know, again, he's a young player, but he's got the kind of electricity that they need. Yeah, I think you're right, especially about that creativity, because there's been several times where you see somebody block a shot or make a, a stretch pass, and Joel Faraby is the one then carrying the puck up the ice, and sometimes I feel like he gets abandoned, where... Mm -hmm you know that he's thinking all these things in his head, but he can't do any of them because there's nobody trailing in the appropriate position. And so I think that sometimes he feels like he has to make himself that guy so that when he doesn't have the puck, he's the one who's in motion trying to get open as opposed to, you know, just trying to plop down where you're supposed to cough, JVR cough. But <laughs> like, no, I mean, it's true. It is true. And, you know, as far as ice time, he did have the most minutes in in the game overall against the Kings, you know, even more than Provi, which is saying a lot. Yeah, who didn't have a good game? I don't care if he scored a goal. No. His, no. his game but was we're, awful. We're talking about good things this segment, right? Oh, yeah, sorry. Things yes. Only. <laughs> yes. All right. Then the next guy I want to talk about is Oscar Lindblom, because he had a pretty solid December, three goals and four assists for the month and I feel like he's really hitting his stride um you know he played well against the Sharks and I thought he looked really good against the Kings even though he wasn't on the score sheet he had four shots on goal I he had plenty of good opportunities just one didn't get in I think Quick had a particularly good game as well no he did um Lindblom's looked good a lot of a lot of offense for him 
comes off the wall, when he has good wall play and, and is yes. playing, you know, with a good four check, then things do happen in the offensive zone for the rest of his line mates. And the key is that's why I really want him on the second line because he, he it's almost like having him on the third line, it doesn't negate him, but you just don't get enough of him and they don't have enough players like him and Lawton that play that kind of style that could actually, you know, make things happen off of a, a, a really good defensive play. Atkinson will do it once in a while, but that's really not his game. So I feel like that's that confidence is there now, and I do feel like you'll see a lot more out of him. That's good because, you know, I wasn't overly worried about him, but he really was off to a lousy start, and he really has rebounded. He has, and I think your point about his board work is a good one. That's the thing that I noticed the most about his play is that it's not just him, you know, dangling or doing fancy, you know, stick work. It's that he's doing the hard work in the corners against the boards to get the puck, and he'll, you know, feed it to somebody else. Um, but he can he can do both, and and that's the great thing yeah. about him. And I I hope he continues to take steps forward for the rest of the season I think he could really be a prolific scorer over the next couple of months and that is exactly what the Flyers need from him okay I also want to talk about Claude Giroux and I feel like I can never say too many good things about this guy because he has just been working his tail off this season and for December he led the team with 10 points in 11 games, four goals, six assists, you know, continuing for the most part to be a face-off machine for the team. And, you know, just, I think, providing some calmness on the power play, which needs it. Mm -hmm. He has continually proven why he's the captain of this team and why he, you know, gets a lot of the respect that he deserves. Sometimes it's not enough, but I think that he is proving himself out there every game. No, I mean, he gets respect around the league. Other teams know. They see it on, on the ice. You talked about his face-offs. He's one of the best in the league. You talked about his power play time, which is always good. Once in a while, he struggles. He's, you know, he's human. But there's always going to be one or two writers in town that Will always, or I shouldn't say always writers. Sometimes it's radio too. It's, radio could be pretty negative against Giroux because, like, he's not a winner. He hasn't won, and you know, all that stuff. Look, you know, again, Donovan McNabb never won a Super Bowl either, and he's a heck of a quarterback. I could say that as a Jets fan, and I've seen enough of him. But I feel like Giroux sort of gets painted into that corner. Now I will tell you, he's getting a little aggravated with this team, and I don't blame him because I think it was on the first period um, interview the other night where Keith Jones asked him a question. He was just like, this was a lousy period. Uh, we didn't do anything well. And he just, you know, he just completely ripped the team, had a look on his face like he was just angry. And and I feel like that's happening to him a little more often this year because he's had this really good push for this year. You know, there's always going to be people that say it's a salary drive, whatever. If that's what it is, it doesn't matter because he's playing well. But I do feel like there's nobody on the team, and I mean nobody, that is equaling his output as far as effort and everything else. And I think that's frustrating for him. I just wish everybody around him would know how to put it together the way he can. Right. All right. Well, is there anybody else on your list or anything else good that we want to share just to try and find some bright spots with this team? 
Yeah, uh, you know, Rasmus Ristolainen continues to play well. I mean, again, against the Kings, I felt like he need, he felt like he had to enforce a little bit, and he did have one bad penalty as a result. Mm-hmm. But, like, I'm willing to overlook that based on the fact that what he else, what he was seeing on the ice, which wasn't good. And so he was trying to, you know, take some of that play into his own hands and, and just try and make plays with some physical play. I feel like he's been really good. I This is going back to like maybe three, four years ago, Ristolainen. So I've been impressed with his play, impressed with his leadership. Like I said, if the second pairing was all of a sudden their first pairing for a while, I'd be okay with that because he's really led the way. And Sandheim's done well, but I think he's really done well because Ristolainen's been a really good uh, partner for him. Yeah, I think I think you're spot on there. I've been very pleased. You know, he's not a player that's going to blow you away every no. game, but he's a guy that's putting in the work. And I think he's ad- adjusted to the system at this point enough where he's really contributing in a positive way. And, and that's all you can ask for from him. And he did a good job. I was lip reading. I felt like he did a good job telling off Brendan Lemieux, who could be a, a, you know, a, a win a windbag at times. That is true, and, and that's always a good thing. All right, well, looking forward to talking about more good things, which is the Winter Classic, and then we will wrap up with the opposite side of things, our nemesis of the week. All right, Russ, did, uh, did you get a chance to watch the Winter Classic? I did. This is this is only the second one I've ever watched at home. I mean, I've gone to almost all of them. I've written the only book about the Winter Classic, but I rarely watch it on TV. They always have it on in the press box, but you're just kind of looking up and maybe hearing some of like Doc Emmerich, who, you know, again, we didn't hear this time. I thought they did a good job from a camera perspective. Everything was right. Uh, it looked good. It translated well. I knew Wayne Gretzky was wrong when he said there was going to be a 2-1 score. I, I commented about that in my house. I'm like, no way. It's going to be higher. Um, yeah. But that's okay. It, they were overly worried about the ice. Once I saw they were heating it, I, I knew that that would uh, increase the uh, the offense and skating, which it did. So I was, I was happy with that. And so as a viewer for that, I was happy. There's going to be some stuff that I'm going to nitpick about, but we'll hopefully we'll – I'll let you open up that door and I could open up another one. Yeah, I mean, I am definitely a fan of holding winter classics in baseball stadiums. I just yes. think it looks better, especially on TV. I mean, I've been to them in person and seen them on TV. And I just think that just the look of it and the atmosphere is much better. So I thought they did an amazing job in Minnesota putting the entire design of it together. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really thought that the jerseys were great. I thought the wild jerseys were appropriately referential, but still like kind of interesting and different. And, um, you know, the blues jerseys are just classic. I loved, loved, loved that the blues had fun with how cold it was by doing their entrance in beachwear. That was <laughs> awesome. Just, it was so good. I was. So I can't imagine how hot it was on that bus for them to be able to pull that off, though. I know, I know, right? <laughs> but and and I thought the game was fun. I thought the Blues. I I have not watched enough of the Blues this season, and they are a fun team. Yeah, they are a fun team. I mean, Jordan Cairo, who had the big game with four points, that's a Winter Classic record. I've interviewed him extensively. I've known him a lot since juniors. Uh, interviewed him a lot at at different events. 
He's a great kid. I knew he would eventually come around, and, and this has been a really good year for him. And he's a really high-octane player, so he's fun to watch, high skill level. Uh, I'm also a big fan of Scott Perinovich, who I was really happy to see in that game. And again, he was passed over twice in the draft, national champion in college, and now getting to play in the Winter Classic. That, you know, that's a, that's quite a leap for him because, again, teams didn't want him. Uh, although I didn't like the fact that Bissonette wanted to already replace him with like a bigger defenseman for the playoff run. It's like Perinovich is terrific defensively and he's great with the puck. Like I, I think that's just him not knowing the player because again, I wouldn't want to add more size just to replace him because I think he's going to be a really good NHL defenseman. Yeah. I think for me, the only kind of downside to it was the broadcast, which was really disappointing because I thought TNT would like really step it up a notch for this. And it was just sort of the same panel shtick Mm -hmm. that they've been doing this season so far which you know is fine I guess but um, the thing that upset me the most is when the broadcast decided to have a Jennifer Botterill commentary over the U.S. Olympic team roster reveal and instead of just showing them and putting their names on the screen they talked about the USA Canada rivalry and Like, what was the point of that? We've all heard that a thousand times. And let's, like, give these players, especially, you know, there was new Olympians on this squad. Maybe give them a a chance to be highlighted instead of just kind of talking over them. Yeah, it's true. I, I, I didn't like it. Sometimes you have to let these broadcasts breathe. They didn't let it breathe. Uh, I know sometimes the studio wants to feel connected. I still don't know why the guys weren't there. They could have been out in center field in a heated tent like most Winter Classics, like many of the Canadian broadcasts would, but they cited COVID rules, and I, I don't know about that. I just That, to me, made me raise an, an eyebrow. But even know, Gary there Bettman... There were 45,000 fans there or whatever. Right, like. <laughs> right. Even Gary Bettman was shocked that they weren't there. So there's something to that, and I'll, I'll leave that one there. But I, I was upset... Only because it just felt like Liam McHugh didn't know these players well enough that he had to start this generic USA-Canada commentary, which was really not the time. And Botterill knows these players, so if you'd have just waited, she could have talked about all the players. She eventually talked about Maddie Rooney, which was great, but that was the only time that it ever yeah, that ever seen. Hensley is a better goaltender and is <laughs> probably going to get more games. Yeah. I know. Well, it's a good argument, but you're probably right. I mean, Matty Rooney did get hurt, too. I'm a fan, so I'm, I'm going to back that up. But at any rate, but it did just seem like a lack of knowledge was going to derail that part of it. And that's bad, too. I have one more thing. So, okay. so one more thing about the panel. In Canada, say what you want about their broadcast, but having a guy like Ron McLean on a panel always means if Gary Bettman's on, there's going to be at least a couple of tough questions that the fans should at least have the right to hear what the answer is. Not what's your favorite game from Bissonette or how many pops have you had at the game or not talking about his beard or, you know, Anson Carter asked the most, the best question, but it was one that we knew the answer to. Well, why isn't the, you know, the NHL in the Summer Olympics? We know why. And even Bettman said, I've talked about this since 1991, but at least he mentioned the Olympic play and got a chance to say, hey, you know, it didn't work out. It's a shame. Fine. But what should have been asked is, with all the COVID cancellations, what does the schedule really look like? Does it look like you could finish this season on time? Or is there a possibility it'll be pushed back? The fact that nobody on that panel could ask that question 
just drove me insane because again, it's not like you have to be hard and fast media people, right? But if you took the job, it's not just to take a job just to goof it up on a panel too. There is information about the sport that's valuable to your audience and we got nothing valuable out of that Batman interview. And, and to be honest, when you're at the Winter Classic, he normally has a 15, 20 minute talk with the media. I don't know if that happened this time because of COVID rules, but if this was going to be the only discussion with Gary Bettman, there's always content that comes out of that for writers and for fans to understand what's going on with the sport, and we got nothing. I, I gather you are upset about this, Russ. <laughs> yes. No, I think, to, you know, rightfully so. And, you know, your nemesis of the week last week was the uncertainty of the schedule. <laughs> yeah. And they did not answer that question. You're spot on there. I think... You know, my nemesis last week was the late night games for the Flyers, especially having one again, like after the Winter Classic, which was after such a, you know, fun game with a lot of spectacle yeah. to have to watch Flyers Kings was kind of brutal. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> but, you know, coming into this week for our nemesis, I, I think we talked about it a bunch this episode is that I worry about the lack of complete games the Flyers have been able to put together and what that means for this team moving forward. Like, how do you go from consistently not playing complete games to suddenly doing that? Yeah, it's, it's hard. Uh, mine is going to be either writing, saying, or typing the wrong date. I don't write a lot of checks anymore, but occasionally a check will come up. I will write the wrong date. I'm not going to mention 2022 on a lot of things. I guarantee it for the next week or so. Every time I do it, I'm just going to aggravate myself. I know. I was just thinking about that. We don't write checks anymore. So no. not a lot of chances to get the date wrong. But I'm sure I'll figure out a way to do it because <laughs> that's me. All right. Uh, last thing, our little Flyers fun thing. Um, Ryan Giroux posted a picture of Gavin. And man, this kid is growing up. And you can tell 100% who his dad is. Yeah. Just looking at his face just looks identical to Claude. And I, I think it's adorable. Kid's got a good smile. That'll do it for today's show. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow. We're going to talk about... The Ducks game coming up. We'll touch on the Phantoms, who had an interesting weekend. Lots of fun stuff to talk about there. As a reminder, we always want to hear from you. Send us in your mailbag questions via Twitter at LockdownFlyers, or you can email the show at LockdownFlyers at gmail.com. I am Rachel. I'm on Twitter at rmiriam. That's R-M-I-R-I-A-M. I'm Russ, and I'm on Twitter at Sportsology, S-P-O-R-T-S-O-L-O-G-Y. You made us your first listen every day. Now make your next listen Locked on Bets, your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Locked on Bets, hosted by your boy Q, with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling.